Is it possible to live a longer quality of life after a heart disease diagnosis? We are the patients who have resolved to become healthier, both physically and mentally. From managing symptoms to managing side effects, from managing medication to managing finances. We share the challenges and the triumphs. Discover what it really means to survive and thrive with a heart condition. This is Living with Heart Disease, a Heart of a Giant production. Here is our host, Samane Uba. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Uh, we're talking about living with a heart disease today, and uh, we have a great guest from Northern Europe, which I didn't know it was Northern Europe. I used to mix it up. Uh, Lithuania, and uh, her name is, how do you pronounce your name properly? Is Aiste? Aiste. Aiste. Like, you know, faulty Aiste, that's the easiest way to pronounce my name. So you just call um, me Aiste. That's it. We were very close. Me- Melanie was, what will Melanie say? Aiste. Yeah, so I was. We were arguing, yeah. and nobody knew how to say it properly, so I'm glad you <laughs> corrected. So we have Ice-T today from <laughs> Lithuania, and uh, in her own world, she's out to help people, help others. Uh, but she's a great lady who travels a lot, over 40 countries, and um, been anywhere from Dubai, Toronto, London, um, and then, of course, uh, back home Lithu- uh, in Lithuania. Uh, traveling is obviously a, pas- a passion, and then she likes understanding people. She likes culture. Um, but she's also living with the Elvat, like myself and like Melanie, and she's waiting for a heart transplant. Uh, but despite everything that's going on, you can check by uh, social media feed. She's always positive, great stories, and takes time to educate us. Uh, and she's a practitioner of, uh, she's a healer herself, so she has some uh, exp- uh, some experience there. She's learning, she's studying, she's working, uh, a lot of things going on and pretty much by yourself. So um, welcome to ISTE and I'd like to probably start by uh, giving, um, asking herself to tell us who, who is ISTE and what's, what's uh, uh, how are you doing today and what, what was ISTE? Welcome. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, you actually said everything, you know. <laughs> I think there's much more, of course, uh, to talk about uh, the heart disease-wise. Uh, in, in general, about me, I think you said the main things. You know, I was always very active. Um, I love traveling. Uh, I lived in the different countries. Um, I was out of Lithuania for more than 10 years. So just traveling around and living in different countries, working, studying at the same time, meeting new people. Um Opening a business, running them, you know, closing down, <laughs> falling down, uh, losing money, like everything. I experienced so much. And, you know, now, now I'm back home for, uh, nearly three years. And, uh, yeah. So my heart journey started, uh, five years ago and, uh, I was okay since then because I had a medication treatment, but, uh, two and a half years. Ago, it actually worsened, and um, no other uh, treatments were possible for me. So basically, my doctors just straight away told me, "It's like, okay, you're dying," and I was just like, "Um, what?" But you know, um, my dad was in the hospital at the same time, so I think, and actually, my family thinks that uh, it could the situation with my dad could actually worsen my situation, my personal health situation with heart. 
And uh, one day when I was literally going to visit him, I just admitted myself to the emergency. And uh, yeah, when I admitted myself to the emergency, they didn't let me go. It's like, you can't even walk. That's why they told me. It's like, oh, but okay. So it's like visiting hours in ICU because my dad was in ICU at that time. It's like, it's visiting hours. Maybe I can go and visit my dad. And the doctors would tell me from, from the unit where I was admitted. It's like, you can't just, just don't walk anywhere because, you know, anytime we have no idea what can happen. So that was the time when I uh, actually learned that I need a heart transplant. And because the donor was not available at that time, and I spent around uh, three months in a hospital. So I was kind of offered an opportunity to wait for the transplant outside the hospital because uh, I don't know how the hospital life is in United States or in UK. Like I've, I've seen a post of a lot of people and it looks amazing. But in Lithuania, the hospital life is not really like as fun as possible. Like, I, don't, I know it's not fun anywhere, but yeah. it's just really bad. Yeah. In terms of like people, people who work in a hospital are amazing. Like the, the, the speciality, uh, they know things, but surroundings, the food, like everything is just like, no. And obviously I agreed. I agreed to go forward with the transplant and uh, I agreed for all that. And yeah, I got that surgery, which uh, actually was kind of scary because that was the first uh, surgery which I had ever in my life. And I was, uh, how old I was? I was like 32 or something. So it was a shock for me because... I, I haven't even been admitted to the hospital in my life. Yeah. So I didn't know anything, how everything works. I remember going to the heart cath before the LVAT surgery. And uh, I was freaking so much. You can't, like, I nearly passed, passed out because I was scared of, so I didn't know what's, what it is, you know, going for the first time. And I'm just like, no, so it was crazy and yeah but everything was fine I, I survived you know I had a complication of um of stroke of a brain stroke and you know that I say to everyone um just if you don't believe in miracles you you should hear my story because the things that happened to me like in details it's crazy like, I don't even say in conversations like that because it would take a lot of time. So that's why I write the book yeah. because I'm writing the book uh, because then I can just pinpoint the, all the details which has happened during this journey since I got my Albert. This is an and amazing yes, story. And now we're living in pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It's So um, I don't usually ask anybody this age, even ladies, but like, how old are you now? I'm going to be 35 next month. So you were diagnosed, the first time you knew that something was wrong was like when you were 30 years old, more or less. Two months before my 30th birthday. Oh, wow. That was a good gift. Wow. It was crazy. Like everything at that time before my 30th birthday was crazy because I had a job. I was living in Dubai. Uh, my what, job, was the jo- what was the job? Uh, so I was... Um, basically an executive assistant and HR director for the 
new project, which was opening a nightclub in um, Maidan Hotel, which is a basically a horse race. Uh, it's a, a horse race track with a hotel and a beach club and a nightclub and, you know, the restaurants and etc. So it's like a full co- like package of complex. Yeah, exactly. So we were opening a nightclub and obviously there was a lot of work because we were doing that from the scratch and and I was basically the right hand for my boss. And it happened really strangely because I didn't have any documentation on time sorted because in Dubai, when you live, you have to have your visa. You actually, literally, you're not allowed to work if you don't have a visa. So you have to have a visa. You have to have a, a medical insurance which the company itself provides to the for the employees, right? So it was crazy because I didn't have any of those. I just I was just getting paid cash. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's no tax, no nothing. So I was just paid get I was getting paid. But then in the past couple of months, uh since because I was diagnosed in March in 2016. From January, I literally um the company, not the company, but my boss, literally, he got millions of dollars, uh, not, not only dollars, but like uh, dirhams, the, yeah. the currency. Um, he had millions of loans. And one day he just disappeared. Oh, my God. So I hired, because I was responsible for HR and I was his right hand. I was re- I recruited around 60 people and already around eight of the managers the main managers were in place in the office in Dubai at that time. Yes. So imagine if my boss is not there, who is responsible? Like, you know, everybody comes to me. Yeah. I, I already had around 50 people waiting from abroad because we were, uh, we, we employed most of the staff from abroad and they were like literally left their jobs and be like, okay, so I'm going to, I'm going to Dubai like next, next, next day, or maybe next week or next month. And and everybody is contacting me. It's like when we are coming, when we're gonna have the tickets. Uh, we got the accommodation for the uh, um, all the staff. Uh, the guys asking for the uh, paychecks for the rent. Like it's crazy. It was so crazy, and the guy dis- disappeared. And I have no insurance. My this is when I started feeling uh, the symptoms. I was short of breath. I couldn't sleep. Uh, I wasn't obviously. It was a lot of stress. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But as well, I wanted to go to check uh, to the doctors as well. And uh, I would call my boss and be like, okay, so when I'm going to get the insurance, can I get like some uh, advanced cash uh, to get paid? Because if I pay direct, and I think that's in the US, if I pay direct without any insurance, because in Lithuania, we have the um, social security, right? Mm-hmm. So everything is basically, you pay tax, like it's, I think, 21% or something. You pay tax and then, you know, if you have a problem, the the government covers it. Cover, yeah. so, so so which is good, you know. Over there, I had to pay everything cash. Even in Lithuania, there were a couple of times where I had to pay cash, and it was a lot. Yeah, that's when I after it took me only like a couple of months, more than a couple of months. Then and I couldn't even breathe. I couldn't even sleep. I was sleeping while I was sitting down for the last two days, and um, I used to have this uh, skip beat. So I was like, "What is it? I don't, I don't even know. I, I don't even know how to explain." It's like, but it's like you know when my heart is working, it's working, it's it a beat, and then it stops. 
Yeah, it, 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 they call it a galloping, a galloping heart rhythm. So it's like instead of going random, it just it's like a horse rhythm. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So and then my cardiologist told me it's like you call it a skip beat. I was like, oh okay. And then for example, um, one month in with the symptoms, I would lay down because I lay flat all the time. Mm. I would lay down and take a deep breath, and all I could hear is the small bubbles exploding in my chest and i would be like oh this is so cool <laughs> take a deep breath and it would like, and then take it and i was like but that's not good it's not normal i mean like what's going on maybe next day we'll be okay so because i was coughing a lot that was the first symptom i felt i was coughing a lot dry cough and i'm not the person who coughs like i wasn't even sick for the past seven uh, years which i lived in dubai for the last seven years and, and until the diagnosis. So I, I never had a fever. I never uh, took any antibiotics. So, you know, I was like, I was pretty healthy and I was exercising, running and etc. Yeah, no, that's great. I think um, you touch on a few things that are really um, great, uh, significant, I think, because you were going under a lot of stress and your body is, is responding. But it seems like you were very in tune with your body. So you knew all the small changes. So the signs went there, but you didn't know what the signs meant. And then, um, and then you go from that to being, um, diagnosed with a condition. So you assume you were diagnosed in Dubai. And what was the first step like that? And how do you go from Dubai to Lithuania? How did, what was happening then? And, and, um, and yeah. So between those two years, what was, what was, what, what, what went on? So, which is because uh, when, okay, so I was diagnosed in Dubai and what happened was that I felt the symptoms like really, it was really bad. Um, so I waited like until the last day, basically, because I had to pay everything cash and it was really expensive. I have to have like around 3000 euros in cash just to pay for the test consultation and for the medication. Um, I was going already to the GPs during these three months until the diagnosis. I was going there and I would tell us that, you know, I have a bloated tummy, you know, I'm like, I feel a shortness of breath and I'm coughing. And I would get the treatments only for the symptoms. And then I, they, like the doctors would tell me, it's like, okay, take it. If it doesn't go away within 10, 10 days, you know, come back, we'll give you another medication. And I would be like, oh, okay. And because I'm I'm like into quite the healthy living, I used to drink the ginger um, lemon honey tea, yeah. and it, it would actually ease up the the cough for like a day or two. But then after that, it will be all the same again. Yeah. And until the point that I literally couldn't bear of doing anything, I was I was out. I don't I, I don't even remember. I remember sitting in bed. Um, cause I was sleeping while I was sitting with the pillows stuck. So that's because you couldn't lie down. Exactly. I couldn't breathe. And even if I sit down and I, I remember that, that happened exactly the same before the uh, LVAT, before going to the hospitals, the LVAT. So basically I, I sit down, uh, with a straight back and what I would do, because I'm short of breath, I would always go like this, just try to go up. And up and up because I'm suffocating. There's no space in the lungs to take a deep breath. And my thinking as, you know, human being, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go up as much as I can because then I could breathe, you know? No, 
it didn't happen. So yeah, I went to the hospital, then uh, they gave me a lot of medication. Uh, Obviously, I wasn't, uh, I didn't have any insurance and um, the cash money, you know, I didn't want to spend the whole, like, they could admit me to the hospital, but that would cost me like, a lot. Yeah, a lot. And I didn't want that. So they gave me the medication to calm uh, because my heart was, uh, I fell asleep and I woke up with 140 uh, beep, beep per minute. And um, and yeah, it didn't go down. Like, you know, I called the hospital and they told me, it's like, just take a deep breath, you know, calm down. I was like, I'm calm, don't worry. And I went to the hospital. I actually wanted to drive to the hospital. And uh, the nurse at the hospital, at the emergency said, just just take a taxi, don't drive yourself. I'd be like, okay, cool. Uh, so I went to the hospital and they attached me uh, with this, uh, you know, with this machine. And because my heart rate was like 140, the machine was like, beep, 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 beep. <laughs> and all I could, I'm calm, you know, I'm just laying down and I have no idea what's going on. All I can feel, my heart was like this. Yeah, and the nurses were running crazy and be like, "Just calm down, just calm down." They're like, I'm calm, it's fine. So basically, because the cardiologist wasn't available, and I went to the hospital at three a.m. because he wasn't available. Um, the doctor who was there at that time in the emergency, he gave me the medication, the double dose, to um, calm my heart, and he registered first uh, thing next day uh, to the cardiologist. And uh, I came back home, I slept for a little bit, and then uh, I took myself to the cardiologist, to his clinic, because my cardiologist in Dubai has his own clinic and works in the hospital at the same time. So I went directly to him and we spent around three hours together or two to two to three hours. He actually looked at me. He asked a lot of questions. We, we just had that time. You know, he saw me. It was like, I, I didn't look like I had any symptoms of heart failure. You know, my ankles even went sw- swollen. I had to uh, put the weight on around 10 kg, but my ankles went, weren't swollen. Yeah. So he explained me everything. And uh, I heard the diagnosis of heart failure and then... He gave me the rash medication treatment. Basically, I was taking the medication where people after the heart uh, heart attack uh, or they used to take like the older, like over sixty five and etc. So it was it was a roller. The first week was oh my god! Like I didn't. Need, I think I was like my body wasn't on the ground, but my soul was like going crazy. Yeah. Uh, I lost. All the liquids with the water pill in the first uh, first four days, I lost around 12 kg. That was only liquid. That's and my, my belly was like, well, like when I was like pregnant around like five months, it was massive belly. But I didn't eat anything because I had a complication with, with, the, with, the, with the tummy and... Um, with all those th- things, the digestive system and etc. That's, that's so, twenty, almost thirty pounds. That's a lot. I don't know how much in pounds, but yeah, I know, I know kg. So yeah. it is a lot because you could see, like, one day I was like this, and then after two days, 
already was born. So did, how did you feel after that? Like, did that, that did that help you a little bit? Did the system go away right there, or what? What? what how did the that treatment oh help? After one week, I could actually lay down and sleep properly. Yeah. And that, I literally, because I had my uh, cardiologist um, on my WhatsApp, he let me go because, again, he would admit me because I had no insurance. He let me go and he gave me the number and be like, okay, go home. But if you feel something, something is wrong, this is my number. Message me if you feel something. If you say something is wrong, we're going to, you know, sort out everything. Thank God he's an amazing cardiologist, honestly. Yeah. So so yeah, I, I could sleep after one week. I wasn't I wasn't short of breath. Um, my blood pressure dropped, of course, because of the water pill, and I was feeling dizzy. And I, I would need to go to like have a nap every hour for like at least ten minutes or something because it was just so many changes happening in a short of time because I had such a cocktail of medication and my body was like, Oh my God, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. But then but were you trying to work at the same time? Were you trying to stay active? Uh, no, or you were just resting. Okay. So uh, after like one month, I was just resting and I was thinking what to do because at that time I was uh, engaged and uh, we weren't married. So we were living in Dubai and my work, my boss disappeared and everyone is call, still calling me, asking yeah. where the money is. So I literally, I just cut the phone down. Um, and, I, and I was thinking what's going to happen because our relationship was really like, was wiggly. Okay. Yeah. So, so I didn't know what's going to happen. Uh, I couldn't work at that time because I was really too weak to work, too weak to do anything. But after one month, there was an event. Just a, a fe food festival. Yeah. Saturday, Sunday food festival. So I was like, okay, me and my friend, let's go, you know, just, you know, have a round, have some tasty food. And my restaurant, which I worked um, previously, had a, had a stand there. So we always go, I know the people, I know the managers, we get the food, you know. It's it's just nice time to spend to spend the day. Yeah. So I met my friend, which I haven't seen in this month. She looked at me. She was like, are you okay? I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm all right. She knew that I was going through the process of problems with my heart health, yeah. but she didn't know what it is and how it feels and, and what I'm going through. Yeah. So I went to this festival. I sat down because I felt like weak. And after 10 minutes, I'm just like, I need to go home. Then because, because I thought like, okay, I'm healthy now. I can go back and return to normal life. And when I went into public between a lot of people, the heat, yeah. even though it was already like 5 p.m., but it was still hot. It's, it's Dubai. Come on. <laughs> it's Dubai. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of uh, food smell, you know, around just like different. And I was just like, no way I can do that. Like it's, I'm so far from being okay. I took a taxi, I got my ex-fiancé, um, uh, put me in a taxi, go home, just go to bed and do nothing. And then I realized that, you know, that's not going to be good. And then on my birthday in May, um, I actually felt all right. So I was able to return back a little bit slowly to the normal life. And my symptoms were like stabilized. They didn't, they didn't go on and off. 
but my relationship then went down the road. We broke up. And because we broke up and I, and I couldn't work at the same time and I couldn't live from my um, savings in Dubai, it's just, it's, it's crazy. And you know, me and my dad, we, we always had like amazing relationships. So when I spoke to my dad, be like, okay, well, this is what I'm going through, you know, and etc. This is the heart, and you know, my work is fucked up. <laughs> Sorry for that, but no, like, you know, it's just it's, it's just it's just everything was go were going down, and I, I didn't know what to do. So my dad told me this: listen, he was like that serious. Listen, it's either you come back home, pack your bags, and come back home, or I'm gonna come to pick you up. So we're gonna come back home together. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, you don't need to fly like only for me for like eight hours, you know, just to pick me up. It's like, I'm a grown ass woman, you know, I can come back. And basically I bought a ticket. I packed my bags and I flew home. And uh, while I was in Dubai, I already checked with another doctor who was in Beirut, the best cardiologist in Beirut. I didn't go there myself. Uh, my, doc- my documents were basically um, sent there because I had all the echo videos and blood, blood work, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so he confirmed the treatment and confirmed the diagnosis. And uh, my dad was like, you know, he, he always believed and he had... Uh, um, a good cardiologist in Vilnius, um, the same clinic where, where I'm going to right now, it's just different cardiologist. And uh, he just promised, you know, I'm going to take you there. I'm going to introduce you. I want to see if this is the same diagnosis which they told you in Dubai. Because he kind of doubted about my diagnosis in Dubai. So he wanted like to take his daughter to the doctors and be like, tell me what, what's wrong with her. Yeah, second, second opinions, yeah. Yeah, so obviously I got the work, like uh, I, I got into, because I was really down because I lost everything basically. So I had to I had to find the, the positivity and strength to come back to life and want something because at that point I didn't want anything. Like I'm 30 years old and my life just went down the road. Yeah. Like, how this is possible. And it was possible. So thank God to my dad because he, he would always like push me and give me the books to read and be like, okay, let's go there. Okay, let's go there. And they were like having a vacation to Italy a couple months later. And they were like, no, I can't pay for it. So I'm not going to go like from my, because I'm so short of money. Like it was crazy how much money I had to pay in Dubai and, you know, leave and everything. And he was like, don't worry, I'm going to take you together, you know. So he was like literally like trying to to force my, not to force myself, but trying to uh, put that positivity and to find the, the, the happiness again in life. And that, that's very important, to be honest. And, and then again, I got better. My treatment was okay. Uh, I, was st- I was stable. I literally was exercising. I returned to normal. Um, activities um when i was on medication treatment then again i start traveling you know back to the all of it traveling you know going crazy enjoying life with a different perspective and then oh my god it's just it's too much to say and then i mean i mean i have a 
I don't know where to start or where to finish anyway. So then in the, in a short way that uh, for 10 years, for the more than now 15 years, I always wanted to uh, move to Toronto to live yeah. to Toronto. And I was and applying. Why do, you, why do you like Toronto so much? I don't know. Because my uh, family uh, lives there, like okay. uh, my uncle and nieces and stuff. But I, w- I was there. Yeah. And I don't know. You just love it. I just love it. Like, I, I, it's so home-like, but not in Europe. Yeah. And it's massive, and it's, and it's so, like, I, want, I wanted to try, you know. Yeah. So I was trying to apply for the visa, and for 10 years, or so more than 10 years, I didn't get the visa. And in 2018, uh, in, in January, uh, after the application and everything, I get the message from the government in Canada saying you got the visa. And I was like, and at that time I was in Dubai. Yeah. So I, again, you know, I had my goals. I, I wanted to uh, work in a company. Da-da-da. I wanted to travel and now I got the visa and I was like, amazing. 2019, I would go to, <laughs> I would, literally I planned to move to Toronto for good. And then it happened so that my dad got into hospital in, in summer, in May, yeah. in 2018. And it was, it was really bad. Uh, he was just going from one hospital in the city uh, we were actually living in, Chole. He was moved to Vilnius and uh, he was uh, in ICU. He was still active for like three weeks. Then it worsened. He was put into um, induced coma and put on ECMO. And uh, it's my dad. Like, you know, I didn't care about anything. The first thing, you know, I came back home. I put everything plans on hold, like everything. Even though I had a work, I had a job, um, I had apartment, I had to, a car in Dubai, like everything, you know. And I was just like, okay, I need time off because there's things happening in my family, and and I need to be there. And when I was here in Lithuania, you know, it didn't take long. He was in the hospital that I was treated, where my cardiologist was since 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 the beginning, and yeah. So basically, I was admitted myself. I admitted myself to the hospital to the emergency, and and here I am right now. Um, I know you skip a part, but uh... oh yeah. So uh, and yeah, so. My dad spent in the uh, ICU for about uh, five months. And uh, I spent uh, in the hospital, in the same hospital for about two months. And then one month in rehab. So on the day, uh, and obviously before surgery, I went to see him before surgery. What, what, what surgery was he going to have or did he have? Oh, what do you mean? No, why, why, why was your dad in the hospital? Why was he in ICU? Oh, pneumonia. Okay. So it was uh, delayed and uh, n- nobody could help him. Like no medication or nothing. Like it's, it's, it's just crazy. And uh, 
what happened that um, I went to see him just before my surgery. Um, you know, I cried like a baby and because I didn't know what's going on. Like my, my, my surgeon came because, you know, there's different buildings, different ICUs, and they all know each other, the doctors. So he came to me and tomorrow I have a surgery and he told me, listen, go to visit your dad because they didn't let me visit because ICU is quite dangerous for the weaker patients due yeah. to the infections and everything. And he told me, go visit your dad. We'll let you. We're going to give you a mask. We're going to give you, you know, gloves and everything what you need. Uh, and I was, on that time, I was on IV, on dobutamine, how you call it? Dub I don't think I know that one, but I, I, I use Mildenone, but I think yours is different. This machine, which is like, Dopamine. dopamine. Yes. No, it's, it's a different. It's, it's not dopamine, similar. but it's very similar. Yeah. But it's, it's it's similar, yeah. So basically, I was carrying this machine with me all the time on IV in a hospital. And uh, of this medication is dopamine, but it's not really dopamine because... Anyway, it's yeah. a similar medication. And... Uh, yeah, so my sister came with her husband. I was sat in a wheelchair. We all three went. I visited my dad, you know. I cried like a baby. And, uh, yeah, the next day I had my surgery. I got some Xanax in the evening just to make sure I can sleep, you know. What, 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 what surgery was that? Was this Elvad one? Yeah, the Elvad one. And I know uh, he told me, my surgeon told me to go visit dad because he said he uh, that my dad is so weak that when I'm after the surgery, he might not be here anymore. So that was quite painful as well. And uh, I was like, okay, well, I need to go to see him because I have no idea what's going to happen, you know, next. And... Uh, and yeah, so I had my surgery. He was in induced coma. He was like sleeping. And then I had my complications and I was moved to the unit. And he actually got so active. He was woken up slowly. He was still on ECMO, but he was uh, woken up slowly so he could talk to my mom. And my mom was staying with me in a different building because I needed a care uh, after the surgery. And he was active. He was asking, you know, about work, about the keys, where he left. And my mom was so happy. He's like, oh, my God, you know, it actually might, might work well. And he might, you know, just leave the ICU as quick as possible and recovery and everything. So it was really, like, very positive looking. And then um, after, like, three weeks, it before me moving to the uh, rehab, I did some couple of tests during the weekend and Monday I needed, I had to move to the, not Monday, Tuesday, I had to move to the rehab. And uh, my surgeon came in at uh, 7 a.m. And he's like, you okay? You ready to move to rehab? I was like, of course. It's like, is everything okay? Can I already move, leave the hospital? And he was like, yeah, you can go, just get ready. Uh, the car will come, come and pick you up like, at, in a couple of hours so at 7 a.m i'm calling my mom no i'm calling my sister because my sister lives in Vilnius. Uh, i'm calling my sister and i'm just like you know that's it because i was really waiting for rehab because i knew that after a couple of uh, weeks after one month actually i will be home yeah. you know 
that I'm healing, I'm changing uh, yes. the surroundings, the food will be changing, I will have the massages and stuff. And I was like, I was so happy and delighted that finally, you know, it's moving forward. And uh, my sister wasn't really talking to me. She was like, mm, okay, mm, okay, that's good. And I asked her if she can come and uh, uh, just help me pack because I had a lot of things with me and I had all the Elvad gear with me, which I needed to take with me. So I needed some support. So I called my mom and I was like, oh, again, happy to share the news that, you know, finally I'm moving to rehab and etc. And my mom was just quiet. She was quiet. And I was just like, that's weird. Like, I'm happy I'm sharing good news, you know, with you. Why not happy? Yeah, now, yeah. My mom's three first words were like, dad has passed away today in the morning. And I was just like, well, that's supposed to be my happy day, you know. And it just very quickly turned into worst day of my life. And yeah, so my sister came. My, my sister couldn't even tell me. That's why she was so quiet because she couldn't tell me. My mom had to tell me, but she was in Shole, which is two hours drive. So she was uh, at 7 a.m. She was already going to the train station, like literally to come to Vilnius and help sort everything out. So my sister came and, and my doctors came in and I remember the nurse came in and I'm, and I'm just crying. I'm sitting on, on the bed. I don't, I'm like half naked, you know. I need to dress up, like put my socks on, my shoes on, you know, the hat because it was winter time. I just, I'm just, you know, with a hospital uh, t-shirt. I'm just sitting there and I'm crying like a baby. And the nurse comes in and she was like, oh, are you okay? I'd be like, my dad. And she was like, yeah, he will be okay because they didn't know. Because they, they shifted, you know, the, the oh, staff shifted at yeah. that uh, time, I think, like hour ago or something. Oh, don't worry. He will be okay. You know, he's in a good care. And I just look at her. No, he just passed away. And she was like, quickly returned yeah. back. Of course, told all the units. Yeah. Because all the team was there. It's was Tuesday morning. It's a busy day, you know. Because you guys, you guys become family over time. You know those nurses and the staff; they're really important, and they 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 they, they take a lot of your feelings. So I'm sure they were also heartbroken for you. It's I, I don't know. It's just they're probably the best team I ever known and I had, and I have most respect not only to the surgeons but to the nurses and to the staff. I mean, some people are so rude to them. Some patients. Yeah. Uh, the the older patients but then you know we just sometimes if we were bored we just sit somewhere in the corridor you know there's no action like in the evening like later evening 9pm or something and we just talk and there are they, they, people have their own lives you know yeah. and help go and help every day every day every day so yeah so basically my my leaving to rehab was worse and I had uh, my team coming over to just, you know, say the, um, you know, the words to me, the last words, I mean, before leaving and supporting me as much as they can. And I moved to rehab. I was devastated because I was too weak to go to the funeral. Uh, I couldn't even walk. 
th- th- that was when I was actually started working when I moved to rehab because I was I was in bed most of the time for two months. Yeah, most of the time for two months. So you know, my my muscles were out. My weight has dropped. Like I wasn't eating any like standard things, you know. Yeah. And yeah, so so now now I am here. It's, it's um, that's that's a lot of emotions to feel in a very short period. You know, you know, diagnosed in uh, in in Dubai, uh, coming back home, feeling a bit better. And then going back, and then coming back, and then losing your dad, getting the elevator. It's it's a lot at the same time. I even figured how you, you know, it sounds like you got a lot of support from your dad primarily. So this is your core support. You know, losing your core support, um, even though the rest of the family is there. So that's a lot of a lot to process and a lot to manage over a short time. Um, and I'm probably gonna ask this one question before we move to the. I, I figure we'll take a short, lighter bread break and go into your Instagram. But before we do that, I wanted to know um, when did the transition start after that? Uh, when did the transition after that? Like how after the losing your dad, um, the burial and everything. Um, when did you start going back to rehab and how was the, the rehab at the? When did you start feeling better um, during the rehab process? I would say after good, uh, good six months. Yeah. Yeah. The first six months was terrible, not terrible in a way. Like I, because I really mm, got active, you know, that's why I would say if in heart disease, you have to exercise. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you have to go run like 40 kilometers, you know, or something or lift weights no you have to exercise because the endurance like ev- is everything yeah physical activity is everything and so you're uh, saying you have to exercise but consistently and and then in a small amount like do the right thing type of thing yes because when i start and i remember now after the surgery uh even even after the surgery which i had in september uh which is a different surgery um my doctors, my team, they always say, walk, walk. I'm saying, I'm weak, I'm pain, like I'm in pain. Walk, you need to walk, you need to walk and that's it. And I didn't understand why, why they're saying this. It's like, you're a patient, you're allowed to lay in bed and do nothing. And that's not true because as soon as you start working, the healing yeah. process ex- just accelerates straight away. Yeah. And uh, when I was in rehab, I was I had to go for a walk outside and in a forest, and it was amazing. And I was enjoying it. And as much as I was walking, I gained the strength. Yeah. And then when I came back, I uh, my things, uh, I had to unpack my things, you know, properly. I had to settle myself, you know, it's just... You know, being after hospital, home, having a first shower. <laughs> so, who was cooking for you? Uh, mom was cooking for me all the time because I was staying with my mom because you know uh, we had a big house and and my mom was feeling really lonely at that time and I needed support at the same time. So we were staying together and uh, my mom was supporting me and I was supporting her and. So yeah, it took me six good months to return back to 
to normal to well not to, to normal to, active, yeah. to be to be active not to feel pain and yeah, then yeah. Uh, after i think um seven months i had my first trip abroad okay yeah. where did you go uh island so you just you just couldn't be held down you just have to keep moving it looks like that i don't know it's just because uh, after after the surgery you know when i was uh, getting better and better i um i was invited to be uh, to manage the lithuanian heart failure association the patient association okay and uh, you know they saw me and I, and i said when i was in the hospital with my doctors be like i want to share my story because i know i needed the information i needed to meet the people who are uh, living with a transplant or living with the lvads and I, what, what what would i do i'd be like in in instagram hashtag lvad hashtag lvad just searching what pictures i will have and yeah. then obviously you know seeing that the people are living a normal life they are young they are older they are happy they have families they 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 are everywhere in the world and i was like okay that shouldn't be so bad because i didn't know that yeah. and for me it was important especially in lithuania people are not people like the patients they are they don't want to share their stories Yeah. They don't want of, you know, what that the people would think, what uh, what it, you know, what a lot of unknowns and you know a lot of stigma and um but that to your point I really find um hearing from other people's story really gave me a lot of hope. Uh and to your point when you see somebody trying, you know, even if they're not doing it at least they're trying, it makes you also want to try. Um and and that's very powerful and I think you're doing you're doing much of that with your you know with what you sharing with the world and i'm amazed at your because we <laughs> you remember we say we can share some of your pictures and i was thinking um you have like a thousand pictures <laughs> it's like where do we start no uh, but, oh yeah, that, that with instagram is different story because uh, i used to have a lot of followers and i had instagram when i moved to dubai so i was posting very active on you know what i was doing and everything and then my head just got crazy and i was just like You know what? I'm going to delete it. So I'm de- I deleted everyone. <laughs> you removed people why? <laughs> I I removed all the people who followed me. I uh privated my uh account. I wanted to keep the pictures as the memories because I didn't have any pictures saved with me. Yeah. And uh so yeah, and then I was like you know, being with myself for so long in a hospital day and night and I would be like I created even another Instagram and started posting there as a new journey as me living with the Elvad and you know going through the heart disease and everything and I was just like that doesn't make sense people actually need to see that I was living a normal life yeah. I was active I was doing I was traveling and then I had to go through the process of you know losing everything um getting the diagnosis you know now in the future getting the transplant and going forward so so i renewed it and and here we go i'm, I'm so glad i mean because it's a it's a as so it is like you have everything right so if you spend time on it you will see those times where like you know you're not doing well and then another time you're living life like you know having fun times and there are times with your you know with your family and then there are times like this where you remind us of you know what you're going through with the elvat over here which is amazing and so for me that was the you know that was very important and i think this one is also like you know 
last year summer when I think when was what was happening here? That was the complication which I had in terms of reading. What was the complication? So I didn't know that I had a, a 10 centimeter uh, ovarian cyst. I started feeling a crazy pain in the lower part of my belly. And then my hemoglobin was dropping like every hour. Yeah. And uh, basically I went to the emergency. My surgeon who actually um, implanted the Elvat, he was uh, working that night. So they thought it's only infection. But uh, after, well, strangely enough, the, as they looked at me, uh, they thought it's a pregnancy, but it wasn't a pregnancy. Obviously, it was a cyst which ruptured and caused an internal bleeding. And it was painful. It was really bad. And strangely enough, the same, not the same, but uh, when I had surgery um, and I was let go, just go home and, you know, get better. After three weeks post-surgery, the, the cyst has um, renewed. So then doctors told me, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't lift, you can't have a hot shower, you can't exercise, you can't have massages, you can't stretch your lower back, like I couldn't do anything. And that's when I, my quality of life and my emotional health went down. And how did you recover from that? Like, what did you do? What are some of the things you do, uh, you did to um, to come back? Like, what was, because you, you feel, you know, you look like you're doing fairly well now and you're active again, you, you're writing a book, you, you, you know, you're doing a lot of things. So what are some of the learning you had to go through? What are some of the activities that were helpful to you and, and physically and mentally and, and even spiritually? Because I think that's one of the things that, really is a challenge for most most of us. You know, you go through a place where you're not very, you're demotivated, so getting motivated again and time and time again. So you go through, talking about, people talk about a lot about resilience, but I think um, what it ended up being is something I learned this year actually is anti-fragility because it's like resilience is one thing when you can absorb shock, but being able to absorb shock after time and time again is, is uh, anti-fragility and it comes to a lot of things, you know, habits and that. But what are some of those tools that you have uh, practiced or you have learned along the way that you think has been helpful and maybe others can try to? For the past, like, five, four months, it's been a, such a spiritual roller coaster for me in all ways that I cannot even... I, it's, I have no words to express it, but I wanted it because be, before the new year, um, the last new year, I said to myself, I want to work with myself. I want to look within and I want to clear the blocks which are not suiting me anymore. I want to, because I know I have changed so much, even the, the last year, summer, and now I'm a completely different person. And, you know, I just had to say, say it loud and it manifested. I had people like coming to me. I, I was uh, introduced into the courses, a one year course of uh, self development spiritually with the practices of breathing, with the practices of uh, yoga and all the things, the astrology and et cetera. And I'm, I'm so happy about it because, because that's what I wanted to the point that I had someone introduce me with, a, with a man who lives in the, answer in peru yeah and 
he's no healer. He's no, no man, you know, no medium or anything. He just talks about his experience. He talks about um, how he saved people's lives and it affects you in a way. The simple things and changes that you can do in life and brings such an amazing um, experiences. Yeah. And uh, with the, with his help and with his courses, which I'm taking and through the life changes for the past a uh, couple of months and situations which I had, I realized a lot of things and I definitely changed in a way. But the thing is that what helped me most and what I am happy about that I really listened to my body and everywhere I go, like, for example, um, since the Alvat surgery, because previously I, I was, I wasn't eating any meat yeah. and oh, okay. I had, you know, I had problems with hemoglobin, with anemia and it was Elvad and again, low hemoglobin. Yeah. I kind of, my doctor suggested eat meat, you know, as much possible because you need it. And I was just yeah. like, okay, okay. And what happened every time, like every two, um, Every two months or three months, I would get an IV because my hemoglobin would just go completely down all the time. Yeah, so the meat was not helping. Exactly. So now since the beginning of like from the January, first the first January month was a, a cleanse month for me. Yeah. But not only the body cleanse, home cleanse, the wardrobe cleanse, uh, the pictures, the computer desktop cleanse, um, the schedule cleanse, you know, the, the cal calendar, the work, like everything. So you, everything. you rebuild, you rebuild your whole life. But I did, but it, it came intention. Like I wanted to do that. I was yeah. like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. So in January, I was basically no meat, uh, minimum dairy, like eggs, I eat eggs and cheese, which I like. Um, so basically all the veggies, fruits and, uh, grains and seeds basically. Mm -hmm. And I survived and I did the detox for my, um, colon as well. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy with the results and how I feel. And I actually, since then I don't eat any meat Yeah, yeah. and my hemoglobin is perfectly fine. That's it's amazing. Normal. It's like there's no there's no textbook for the body, and everybody is different. Um, exactly. It's sorry affected a lot of people, but you also connected with a lot of people on online. And I remember one day we couldn't find you on the internet uh, on Instagram. <laughs> like we were trying to reach you, and we couldn't find you. And 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 then and, and I reached out to no Melanie. Melanie reached out to me. And I was like, wait, yeah, it's true. I've been reaching, trying to reach out to her. She couldn't, you know, she couldn't, uh, we couldn't get her. She was scared for you. And and I was so amazed by that. I was like, this is, it's amazing. I'm sure you never met. I'm sure, you know, it's, it's like how you connect. And she probably was not doing very well health-wise, but she was more worried for you. And and that was, to me, that was very special. But Melanie herself is here, so I love her to say anything about that. <laughs> I did. I, I panicked. <laughs> I was a... Uh... Because you've really helped me a lot this past year, um, from clothes wearing to 
I mean, you told me about things about the LVAD that my team never told me. And, uh, and I really appreciated that. And, uh, and you seem, obviously, you seem so strong. And then when I, when you disappeared on Instagram, I was like, oh my God, something terrible has happened. And uh, I started finding, like, trying to find if you was okay. And, uh, you sent me an email. Yeah, but before that, I, <laughs> I spoke to him. First. I was like, how do you know my email? She just sent me an email. I was like, okay. Yeah. No, no, you, um, I think, I don't know how you, you contacted me and you said this. Oh, no, no, I know. I found it on the blog thing. On your blog. Oh, yes. I'm an investigator. I'm a private investigator. <laughs> it worked. It worked. <laughs> that, that was special. I think, because to me, that's, you know, what it's really about. And, you know, sometimes you have those relationships and then, um, you know, you support each other and then um, you guys are living lives. And, and to me, that was really special because, you know, we're out there, we don't know, we don't see this thing, but... Um, Sharing your story is really impactful, you know, to the beginning of your thing. And then making friends, um, making community along the way is even more impactful. And I think to me, that's, that's it. That was my biggest gain out of this. Um, the support you well, get from everybody. Our stories are really similar, aren't they? Our stories. I mean, we had the, my old bed was in September 2018. Oh, yeah, the, that's uh, true. That's a good point. Yeah, I think it's pretty, pretty similar. And uh, I know that we connected as well. Quite quickly. How did, how did you guys connect? Like, how did you, how did you, how did Instagram, you, yeah. Instagram, Instagram, yeah. I, it took me a year before I went on to Instagram to, um, to talk about anything to do with Elvad or transplants. Mm-hmm. My yeah. team encouraged me to reach out, but I, I wasn't in the right place. I wanted to do the journey myself. Yeah. But then I got to a point, um, the most, of them, most of them were men as well. So I found it hard to, to find a lady and, uh, and and I found you, and and I think we started uh, private messaging one another, showing each other how we wear our L vads and, and <laughs> yeah. stuff, and 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 just um, I mean, even with your dermoid cyst, I had a hysterectomy a year before the L vad due to a dermoid cyst that they were worried about was going to burst. Uh, yeah. So I had that's how, how I had the hysterectomy, and in and then when that you went through that. I was like, oh, my God, that could have easily happened to me if I didn't get the hysterectomy before the LVAD. I lost my dad on the day I got discharged from hospital with my LVAD as well. It, oh just, uh, it just was so similar. Our stories were so similar, and I think that's why the connection was even stronger there. Yeah. It's like When you think about it, like you know that every story for the patient is so unique. But then, look, we always find the ways. And for me as well, I know there's a lot of men. Like, most of the LVAD patients in Lithuania are men. Now, everything is fine. Like, you know, I don't have anything wrong. But talking with the lady is completely different. Because, you know, you have different issues. You have uh, different issues with, like, uh, female organs. And you have different issues. Like, thank God Melanie has two children. But for me... And yesterday I was talking with a professor uh, because I was filming a TV show for the Heart Failure Week in May. And um, I was talking exactly about the same. Be like, the guys with the LVAD, they can actually have a baby, you know? Because there is a guy as well in in the States who who actually has a baby now. Yeah, we we, we got pregnant after 
one year after I got the LVAD, so and they were with twins, and 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 that's definitely a good point. But I know to the other side, it's been very. Um, I know a lot of women that have been, you know, even wondering how to have um, this situation, you know, about how to have intercourse with their partners and stuff. Not necessarily because they don't want to or they're sick, but like even on the partner side, where they've, you know, many reasons. So that's those are things that are even very hard to talk about. But we probably wouldn't find the right word. Even if a lot of men are sharing their story, they probably, um, I don't think we show a lot of real things that are happening. It's usually, oh, I'm running, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Like, it's very rarely you see somebody really breaking down or anything like that. But oh, not whining, just just being really vulnerable. But I think that's changing now slowly. But that's okay, you know, and I think this is our mission in a sense, you know, it's okay. If I'm telling my, my story, it doesn't mean that, you know, I, I need a pity from everyone else. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay where I am. I'm sharing because I want the people to wake up and yeah. not be paying the attention to the money, to the work and everything. Health is the most important thing. And that's what I want to show. You can have everything. Like the disease or illness, it doesn't look how much money you have in your bank account, what car are you driving, or what clothes do you wear, you know, the, the, the gender or like the religion or anything. It will as well. <laughs> yeah, it will attack you from the back and you have no idea what can happen. And that's really, really an important thing. And I think us talking about the things that we went through is really inspiring and at the same time i hope that some not only the patients but the society could actually learn something from my story and take something from from it you know maybe you know do the some changes in the lifestyle you know maybe do some changes or restructure the schedule or maybe finding something deeper in the meaning or you know doing and helping others just something you know Paying attention to their health, to to their symptoms, to 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 their family history, that which is very important. I didn't even know my family history and what 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 illnesses we had, because I I, I was thirty years old. You know, I did I, I I didn't care about it. I thought that wouldn't happen to me. But look, yeah. In my case, I think before I got the doc, I was living normal, living well, but I felt like starting to live 30 or something. So like, cause you know, that's when you have everything in place, you've grown, you like you're grown person. But I feel like living really started after I was diagnosed. Like once they told me, oh, you have a heart condition that has no cure. I felt like that's when I started living. Cause you know, obviously you say health is very important, but I, I, I had to really think about the meaning of success in general, like for myself, the meaning of happiness. Like right now, my goal in life, I tell people, people like the goal in life is to be successful, is to do this, to the goal in life to be happy. You know, that's the first thing. And then that happiness means something different for everybody. But like those things is like very hard. Like how do you measure success? How do you measure happiness? But like half the time, you're not even present where you're living. And I think the two of you really uh, embodies that and you show me that and in different forms, but you really like um, are the testimony of that. And you know, look at you going through all of this and then still being happy and still willing to share and still willing to 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 reach out to others and 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 meaning good for others because I feel like you don't want this to happen to anyone else and that's and you're putting the time into it and that's very important um so i'm I'm really want I just wanted to commend you both on that and then 
I talked to a lot of people, but these two calls have been special for that reason. You know, like the positivity, the will to live is really, I can feel it. And then the happiness, uh, you can see it. And then some of the practical ways you go about it. Um, Melanie was telling us about how she's a homework, homemaker and she, she makes sure everything is clean in the house. She moves <laughs> things around. And, and I'm sure that's a lot of fun. Uh, and it seems like you guys might, might make a good team someday. <laughs> <laughs> we actually when covid will pass or if it's gonna pass then we will meet with melanie and go for a coffee somewhere in london i love yeah, it he sounds like you, a might, plan. you might change your mind about about toronto and make it london <laughs> well, that, I, lived in london I lived in london before so yeah so you're well, hopefully melanie will change your mind <laughs> no i want to go to lithuania now though seeing all your pictures yeah, it's beautiful. Me too, me too. We're definitely trading places. It's definitely on my list. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that, that that's what I love, you know. We do create, uh, an, in a sense, a community and we do keep a relationship. And I have a lot of people, you know, uh, on Instagram, which I found in different countries, uh, which I talk to. We exchange the numbers. We talk on WhatsApp, you know, if we want something to ask quickly. And it's really nice. And, as you say, like, uh, when I was off my social media, <laughs> it really happens because that happened to me. And, um, yeah, it happened to me um, for, with a lady who was living in Bahrain. Uh, she was waiting for the heart transplant until the last minute. And then they admitted her to the hospital and she was supposed to have an LVAD in Qatar, I think. And, um, basically, um, she messaged me a day, like in the evening before the surgery next day. And then I didn't hear from her for like a week. And thank God that I had her husband her husband followed me as well yeah. and because obviously i was talking to her because i lived in dubai as well so i'm kind of familiar with the, with everything in their ends in terms of religion and how it works there is, is social security and you know everything the the medical and uh, i was so so scared and um i actually messaged the uh, message her and she didn't reply for me like two days and I thought okay well maybe you know you never know you can be weak and stuff and I know myself I, I still have the messages with which I was sending to my mom when I was woken up after after the surgery I can't even understand so I'm not sure what mom could understand from my mess like it was just a mess I couldn't even yeah. speak properly because it was just crazy and so I connected to her husband and uh, basically he told me that she passed on the surgery. Not on the surgery, I think before surgery. Like just, yeah. just, just an hours before the surgery. She couldn't, she didn't even, her heart was so weak, was too weak. Yeah. And she was such a beautiful woman, had a family and, uh, you know, with kids and everything. But they're very religious. So they're, they are in a positive way of like, you know, it was time for her and, you know, yeah. Uh, her journey is continuing there somewhere not in the physical world and you know it's nice positive but it's 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 really devastating to know that you know someone is disappearing because you have no idea what can happen yeah. and uh, i think i think our goal could be definitely 
you know, just to to get tight with, with this community and somehow connect and talk and share. And because, yeah, I've, I've, I've found a lot of friends, to be honest. Through my heart journey, I found I found I found real real friends, and yeah. I I'm so happy about it. I think Melanie, you if you want to say something, your microphone is off. So yeah, I messaged you on the on the way to the hospital when I got the transplant call in November in yeah. the back of the ambulance. So yeah. don't worry, I'm, I'm going in for a heart transplant. <laughs> if you don't hear anything, no, no, I'm not worried. No, not at all. What? No, it's crazy. It's crazy, crazy, but yeah, it's good to have. I think me and Melanie, uh, we clicked off because we are both in Europe. Yeah. Because I understand that, like, and I could see in the groups, in the Alvad groups and uh, transplant groups on Facebook, for example, that it is a little bit different US rather than like how they work, the processes and etc. The the waiting lines and all the all the stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, so me and especially I lived in London before, so you know, <laughs> kind of like you know, know the things already. <laughs> so went off. It's just like best friends. I like the the advice yeah. and and people sharing notes. It's really amazing. Um, well, you've, been, you've inspired me though. You have because your manifesting when when I worry about my daughter with the, yeah. who's got the genetic gene for this disease. And um, just listening to you and your story, but you tell me about your mum and and you, I now uh, listen to you and I'm portraying the way I am with her differently. And that's through listening to you and listening to your experience. So you've you've inspired me a lot through this journey. (laughs) That's amazing to hear. I love it. I think you, and and this is just amazing. This is the story. So um, how are you doing? Tell me. How are you? Yeah. Both of you. <laughs> yeah, Mila, Mil- Milani goes first. Milani goes first. Um I had a rough I had a rough couple of weeks with fluid um build up and I went in and uh, they gave me diuretics and an iron infusion. Um I seem to have a bad reaction to iron infusions. I'm really, really violently sick with migraines and uh, but that's that's okay now. But the uh, diuretics were causing lots of low blood pressure, and yeah. and I'm on a liter and a half of fluid now from two and a half liters. Uh-huh. Uh, but I had, they were worried that the right side of the heart was was deteriorating, so I had a right heart catheter, and the pressure still looked really good. So I've got an appointment next Tuesday just to see how things are going. But they're much better. No swollen ankles. The abdomen's gone down. The blood pressure's going back up again. So hopefully it was just a blip and uh, things stay stable again for a little while. But other than that, fine. Both my, my daughters, my oldest daughter's got a heart scan on Monday to just to check. And then the younger one's got one the following week um, just to check her heart as well. They get scanned every few months. So that's always nerve-wracking. But other than that, just... Just carrying on, cleaning. <laughs> you're doing a good thing, you know. Uh, like through your journey, you you know what can happen. For example, uh, uh, for your daughters. So, I, I, it's very important to highlight that you know 
always check and do everything the pre- prevention of a heart disease you know so um i think they seeing you as 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 a mom going through your journey um they can be inspired to pay attention and take care of their health more as well so uh, you know if you do the the regular checkups for the heart and it can be detected pre- pretty early you can still recover your heart Mm-hmm. because if you diagnose too late what's happening now during the COVID that the patients they're scared to go to the hospitals and they suffer at home because the doctors say like don't go anywhere stay home because you can get COVID and people of course they don't want to get COVID but yeah. they if they have the symptoms like from the second stage of, of heart failure going to the fourth stage right then that's it the no, nothing can help you apart from transplant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's very important to, you know, go for the regular checkups. And in case there is a sign that it can develop to a heart failure at some point, then, you know, you can start straight, straight away to give like some uh, mm-hmm. treatment, a medication treatment or uh, others. Just block that way to go going worse in the future. Mm-hmm. Because my diagnosis is it was it wasn't misdiagnosed it was missed diagnosis like i would go to the hospital and they would look at me and be like oh no this it can't be hard no it's impossible so i get the treatment for the symptoms you know and even though i had a problem with the heart like i'm i'm not i'm not a big person in my chest and ribs but my heart was like if you see the pictures on my instagram my heart was like taking I don't know the biggest part of, of 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 the ribs and my inside. It's crazy. Yeah. Even the doctors would do the echo and look at my face and do the echo and look at the screen with my heart. And they were like, th- "That was a doctor in Lithuania," and she would be like, "I'm sorry, I have to invite more doctors to look at this because this is so unusual." I was like, "Okay, it's fine." Yeah. So then there's yeah, like. And doctors coming in and be like, look at the person, she's so pretty and her cheeks are red. And then look at her heart. How is this possible? Like it, it's, the, it's the case they don't have usually. And usually, you know, younger people might die or something without being diagnosed. So there's like the number of data. So if you're in certain places, like I'm in Boston now, they see all the cases because everybody comes to them. So they're more, they have more example, more data example. Um, but I think one thing we're doing to, through sharing the story, even the doctors get to learn that, okay, there might be somebody who looks all right, or I have all, all the numbers, but can I have heart failure? Because heart failure, I mean, we don't know it yet. And, and that's, I think it's very humbling for a lot of doctors. And also in terms of treatment, I was diagnosed, but some cases people were giving me the lower dose instead of giving me higher dose. So then, you know, I'll be all right, but not going to be good. So I go to one doctor, he's like, they gave you the wrong dose and dosage and it just it just doubled or actually put me on IV and then two weeks or a week actually I was definitely like just feeling better already. So those are I think that's very it's important. That's some something some people can take from this story. But it's a, a the regular checkup is really important. I think um, you know, prevention is always better and it makes it easier to manage. But I think what Melanie forgot to add is that her job is to worry. She really worries a lot. So, so, she worries so. a lot, yeah. <laughs> you worry too much. I know. I know. And you can't take control. What's happening? 
You can't be you can't be scared all the time. I'm not I'm not scared ever for myself. It's always for other people. That's for other yeah. people, yeah. 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 Just but that's what just, I, it's, my, it's my upbringing. Living. It's just my upbringing. I was always didn't I grew up without a dad around, and yeah. I was always the one taking care of everyone as a yeah. young child. And it's it's I, part of me when I get my heart tra- if I get my heart transplant, or when I get my heart transplant, is that I want to put myself first for a while and do the things that I've why, you know that I you want practice, to do. Why don't you practice before your heart comes in? Because <laughs> once your heart comes in, that will be a different journey. So maybe start now. You have the habit before your heart runs. And you don't have to stop worrying, which is, is not a bad thing. But to your point, you have to also worry about yourself. You know, you have to love mm-hmm. others, but you have to love yourself first. And cause that will bring out the best in you, you know. And I mean, I'm not preaching, but that's, that's what I also had I'll to try. learn. <laughs> it's absolutely the same. It's, it's just like, you know, thinking positive, positively. I know like being scared of other people is just not like being scared but like you know oh maybe that will happen like uh, thinking the worst case scenario is is not healthy for yourself like if i'm thinking the worst case scenario about all the other people around it's gonna it's gonna be crazy so uh it's really like focusing on you know trusting that everything is all right i know it's easy to say but it's such a hard work within yourself to trust it that, you know, everything it is how it should be. Mm-hmm. You know, me being in this place, who are being, being in this place, you being in this place and all the other patients and all the other people being in different diseases, people living in uh, um, Israel or people living in, uh, I don't know, Arctica or Antarctica mm-hmm. somewhere. Like, we are here for a reason, and uh, there's no, like, like there's a saying, God makes no mistakes. So I think that that, that says it all. And uh, I'm not saying, like, oh, I'm a believer of, of a God, and, you know, there's a man sitting up there, and he's white or whatever, you know. It's just bullshit, but I'm just, I'm just believing that, that, the bigger power which is upon the universe or god as you can say like different different religions they have different names and uh, there's no mistakes that's the only thing that you need to understand it's just your perception how you how you view everything around you and uh, what can you do with it obviously take the best out of it even if you're going through the worst experience you, you still see the 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 positive good things like I did. I wouldn't be here right now with you if not my journey, which I went through. If not that heart failure, which I went through. And so many other things which I found within those uh, three years. It's it's crazy. And I'm grateful and I'm happy that it actually it happened to me. I know it sounds really crazy, like, you know, in, in a sense, but Wow. Like I wouldn't be here. My everything, my point of view changed. My values changed, as you, as as you said as well. You know, it's it's just the different things that that understanding what is success for me, what I want in life. I, I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy and do the things that I love. That's it. <laughs>
That's Amen. That, 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 that would have been a perfect ending. But I, but I, I think I want to have one more question and then we'll, we'll wrap up. Um, so maybe both of you can answer this, but I think you, you mentioned books at some point, like doing readings and stuff. So if you guys were to advise, uh, to suggest a book, uh, one book or two books, uh, what would those be? I can't tell you. I don't even, I, I know I have books behind me, but uh, most of them are Lithuanian. Oh, actually, actually, you you're going to like one. I haven't read that one yet. <laughs> okay, so there is a story with this book. I haven't read it yet, but we had a library at my old uh, home. So I have a book from Canada, which was sent because I, I mentioned you, I have a family from Canada. And this yeah. book was sent to my dad. And it says, uh, How to Be Happy No Matter What Happens by Dr. Joe Hall. Great. Show, 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 yeah. This book oh, wow. is 100 years old. Wow. I want to I wanna, I wanna get that. <laughs> It's it's crazy because, uh, you know, like old times, uh, there were no English books in Lithuania. And uh, yeah. um, because uh, our family, a half of the family were in Toronto, um, they actually sent an English book to my dad. And my dad was trying to learn English. So he actually, uh, you know, this is how to be happy. And he he tried to translate it. <laughs> with the dictionary that we had and these words is just you know he wrote over here what it can mean you know he obviously got his book he didn't understand what it mean but when i was going through the library and we were getting rid of all the books um just not, not getting rid but we donated them they, we gave it to um to the people we gave it to the libraries i was going through through this book and i was I was like, I'm going to take this book. And I noticed that, how to be happy. So I still need to read it, but I'm, you know, I'm really saving it because it's one, 100 years old. And in terms of other books, one. there are a lot of good books, you know. I can't really tell you one book or another is good. I read in English and Lithuanian. Um, I do love the psychological books of like, you know, self-learning books. I, I saw um, the comments... Uh, saying the alchemist yes um yeah there are so many good books but i, I like to go more a little bit spiritual deeper about the brain yeah. about how the energies how it works about uh, the psychology and power of the mind and i have one book which is a, a russian book um but it's tran translated into lithuanian i have no idea if 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 there is a version of um of it in english but it's basically it says uh, love your illness and it's oh, okay. about all the process um not the process but about how we with the belief system when with the thoughts we create the illnesses and what each illness means in terms of what thoughts and um we generate and what beliefs we might have so it's really yeah. great like there's a lot of good books don't get me wrong and uh, you know uh, those, are, those are two good two good suggestions uh, joe dispenza yeah joe dispenza 
No, I think it's very, it's, it's a regular standard book, but as well, it, it's a good book, you know, about showing you how the brain work and how the thoughts work. Like even, yeah. you know, if you have two plants and one plant, you say, I hate you. I don't like you. I don't love you. You, this, you horrible. And then the next plant, the plant next to it, you say, Oh, you're so beautiful. And you're going to see that plant will die which had a the bad negative thoughts yeah. towards it. Yeah. So it's crazy, yeah. That's important. It makes me think of a story of the old Indian that had two dogs. You know, one that will, one it was feeding, the other one it wasn't feeding. And then he knew which one would win in a fight, so he knew that. Yeah. Um, I like it. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> Odile says she talks to a plant. So we get, one day we're going to have to have Odile talk to us. She's always in the back, but one day she's going to talk to us. Yay! Um, thank oh, you so much. I think... Yeah, she'll, she'll be a great conversation. Trust me, she'll be, she'll be special. We're going to have music. She's a DJ too. She, I listen to her music when I'm working. Yes. I'll, say, I'll, say, I'll, share, a, I'll share a link with you. That's Actually, my goal that. is to learn how to DJ. Oh, my God. Okay, you got a coach here. Let still, me... Which I still need to complete. Yeah, no, um, I'll share her links now. She has, a, she has a website. You can check it out before I forget. What is this? Thank you. There we go. She's in, in France, you said, no? She's in France, yeah. She's in France. Oh, nice. Hi, Melanie. We, we, need a, we need some picture for you. Oh, sorry. We need some book recommendation from you. <laughs> the Bible. <laughs> the Bible. The Bible. Which one? There's, there's a few versions. Um, I don't know. I lived in Israel for a while. So um, okay. I've got the Torah and the, and yeah. the Bible. I go for every religion. There's, there's yeah. goodness in every religion, and uh, and that's how I like to be, you know, quali- you know, spread it around the, the diversity in religion. So uh, yeah. <laughs> I like, yeah, I'm just... Tam- timeless wisdom. That's that, that I love. I love that. Yes, yeah. diversity so in religion. <laughs> Your book. Yeah. <laughs> me, my, me. Yes. Um, <laughs> I have many books at a time. So right now. I'm reading a book. I'm, I'm very big about, I guess, self-development, a lot of, lot of biographies and things like that. But right now I'm reading a book about uh, innovation and technology. So it's like why people resist innovation. And then uh, it was a professor, well, it, yeah, it was a professor I knew, and then he wrote a book about, so he put a bunch of anecdotes together from, let's say, why people... How, how long it took people to adopt coffee. Like now everybody eats coffee, drinks coffee, everybody loves it. But then he tells you the story about how he came from Ethiopia all the way to the Middle East, all the way to Europe and America. But for instance, talking about London, it, when he got to London, people were not happy because they preferred the tea. So there was a lot of resistance to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but over centuries, people adopted now. But also, it only grew in the Middle East and they were, they were hiding the grain and stuff. So the technology around that, it, that's some fascinating story. It talks about the music, how now music is licensed. Before music was only band, band in a band. It talked about genetic modification. So that's like my technical side. Uh, another book I'm reading is called Pro Social, which is about using, I guess, psychology, evolutionary sciences to see how people come together to build something bigger or to, to, to work together. So Pro Social, in a sense, for instance, like with love and compassion, we can find a cure to a lot of diseases, a lot of situations uh, without competing. Competition is natural. 
But as human beings, the reason we are alive, we stay here, we still exist, is because we co collaborate in groups and families and communities and stuff. So those are the two I have on my hand. Um, <laughs> but I listen to a lot of audio books too. So there's a book now about James Baldwin talking about meeting the man and stuff. So, um, and just before that, I finished one about, it's called Hood Feminism. I'll share this separately, but it's called Hood Feminism. That was like the black feminist movement. And there was another one about eloquent rage. Uh, so yeah, but, but that's a, there's a lot of stuff. So we'll share that definitely. I'll share it. We, we should write an article together. We'll try yeah, write an I, article I together about you it. You can just put the post like or something, you know, because when yeah. you ask, especially me, if you ask something quickly, I will be like, uh, I need a minute. But, you know, we can always give the recommendations of what you read of favorite books because, you know, when you go through the process through life, there are things that interest us at a certain point, right? And then, yeah, okay, yeah. I have this good book in, in that in that place around this theme and then another book in, in that theme. So, yeah, I, I, would, I would love to share, you know, just... Definitely. definitely. I, just, no, I like both. I like the spontaneous part because that's, you know, that comes in. And then when you reflect... Yeah. So we're gonna do both. We're gonna do both. Um, we're gonna write an article, and I will share. Uh, uh, we can just share our book recommendation. And to your point, when and what it meant to you, uh, like a, a, a like a, a virtual book club, and then we'll see from there on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. Right. I love it. So, the Elvad Patience Book Club. There you go. World, there you go. Worldwide. The International Book Club. We're gonna. We're gonna. That's an idea. We'll think about it. But we can yeah. do that. Thank you so much. I think great as usual. Um, enough, like I tell every time, we're gonna have more follow-up questions. We're gonna come back, and then uh, you know the idea is to really to share this with everybody. Uh, but thanks for sharing your story, and and what I will do now is you know give you the uh, the last word. Probably Melanie will go first, and then you you can cl close it up for us. Hi, Melanie. Can you, you can say us your, give us your parting words, and then we'll we'll let um, Iced finish it up. Just stay safe, guys, and uh, hopefully we can catch up again soon. And one of us might have a transplant by then. Hopefully. <laughs> it will have. That's no question. <laughs> okay, you take care. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much. much. Thank you. And from my Are side, you? I would just uh, yeah. say that, you know, for any for any patient and just, just the society in general, um, Take care of your health and, and not the physical health. And that's why I tried to highlight in the past couple of uh, posts, uh, which I was to share them on, on my blog and Instagram. It's just like, don't forget your emotional health because it is really important. And, you know, we all need to help ourselves in a way. So by sharing something, by speaking to certain people or speaking to professionals, we can really just, you know, help ourselves because if we are in a bad state with our emotional health then you know we'll it will stop the healing of the physical healing so it's very important and go check your heart <laughs> go get your heart check thank you so much i like mm -hmm. i like what you're saying you know um check get checked um look at your yeah. everything holistically you know not just the physical but everything emotional uh mental spiritual so thank you so much this is a great message I'm really happy um, that you share with us. And I really hope that, you know, my wish is for you to have a great heart transplant, successful, no complication. 
and that you make your move to Toronto. You know, I feel like that's a great goal to have. And Toronto is definitely a beautiful place. So we'll pray for you. Just stop in between for us. Come say hi to us on your way there. Of course, I will definitely. When I'm good to travel, I will definitely go visit everyone and go come back to the traveling. It's it's important to me. It's just it's just so amazing to be able to travel and it's good. It's a joy for me. It's beautiful. Thank you so much. Thanks for taking us to Lithuania and back. You know, you made us learn about the world and, and beyond. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was All a right. pleasure. Take care. Thank you. Bye. This was Iste from Lithuania. We just had a great chat and the message were very poignant. Talking about, you know, really fighting to live. Uh, inspirational. Uh, looking after yourself. Getting checked regularly and looking at your body and your health, but very importantly, doing it in a holistic manner. So not just the physical part, look after your your emotional part, look after your mental part, and then look after your spiritual part. And it's somebody that's really full of life, um, very uh, strong in terms of um, the will of living. So um, I got inspired with the conversation and I really look forward to the next ones. But I um, wanted to say thank you and thanks everybody for tuning in. We are reminded that we are all connected through our experiences of friends, family, and community. We thank our guests for your generosity of heart, looking beyond your sorrows to share your journeys and inspire others. And thank you for listening to this episode. We hope it did your heart good. Visit us online for more resources at heartofagiant.org.